0: as a child, long before I knew anything about witchcraft, you know, that witchcraft existed as a practice, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a, a very, very instinctive thing, I think, that I was um, very naturally drawn to as a child.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Very good.
0: And, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a... Yeah.
2: So, you know, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with uh, Gemma Gary. Uh, Gemma is a British craft initiate and an occultist, a writer, an artist... An illustrator and Mm -hmm. a trustee of the Friends of the Boscastle Museum of Witchcraft, you have written uh, many works uh, that explored witchcraft and folk magical traditions. Most Mm -hmm. of it actually focused upon the traditions as they are found in Devonshire and Cornwall. Yes. Now um, we're going to talk. I mean, you've heard you, you you have written a lot of books. But we're going to oh, focus yes. <laughs> but we're going to focus a little bit more in this um book that you wrote, Traditional Witchcraft: a Cornish Book of Ways, yes. and um this is an amazing book. Let me tell you. this is uh traditional Witchcraft, a Cornish Book of Ways Gemma Gary, um by Troy Books. Now, I have to uh, uh, give a couple of things about Troy books. There are four new authors mm-hmm. coming up. Uh, on the next twelve months to Troy Books, it's very very exciting. Everything is very exciting in Troy <laughs> Books. Always, mm, it's all happening. At the yes, time now. <laughs> yes. Devil's Plantation uh, by Nigel Persing is going to come up. Also, um, there is another book called The Black Dog Folklore, and it's all about ghosting appearances of black dogs all over you know mm-hmm. the world uh, by Mark Norman. Um, oh, yes. After the Devil's Plantation, that comes up also. So very very exciting news oh, <laughs> this... <is>
0: indeed. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's and enough to keep us busy, I think. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so
2: tell me, um, what was the the real I mean, we're talking about uh tro- um the uh traditional witchcraft, a Cornish Book of Ways. Mm-hmm. Um you made the illustrations of this book. The 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 photos are by the Fantastic, Jane Cox. Oh yes, um, and <laughs> Yes, <laughs> and we have a first edition in 2008, October precisely, and Indeed. second revised edition in 2011 in November, and then we have yes. a reprint on 2012 and 13. Now, mm-hmm. um, what was the idea behind? What prompted you to write this book?
1: Oh
0: gosh, well the ideas um, behind the book were really around a long time before I actually got round to writing anything mm-hmm. it was um really born from various different things starting of course with my own practice
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know this was long before I was involved with magical groups or anything my solitary practice was um one in which I was very interested in linking it in to the the local law and the magical traditions of Cornwall mm-hmm. And so there was obviously a wealth of um, different informations I could draw upon. Uh, most popularly, of course, there's the um, collections of Robert Hunt and uh, William Bottrell, who um, in the eight, uh, 19th century collected a lot of law from you know, witches, wise folk, and also you knew the people who had interacted with these people. And also the folklore, a lot of stories about these people, and so there was um, a lot of material there for me to draw upon. And I saw these as things that I'd like to try and put into practice in some way, and to adapt them for modern day practice.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And the the second influence really was um, what's known in the UK as modern traditional witchcraft, because although in the um the folk collectors material it's all operative magic yes what was really missing for me was the um the ritual side of things you know i enjoy operative magic but i also like very much and enjoy ritual Mm -hmm. so a ritual structure was needed and at the time i was um friends with witches in east anglia who were very involved with the robert Cochrane um style of witchcraft which in, in Britain is one of the um you know, the movements within traditional witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And so that really fitted nicely to provide the the structured ritual content because, you know, in Cornwall you have um things like conjuring staffs, and um, you know, circumnambulation around holy wells and stones and what have you for magic. And those things obviously are found in Robert Cochrane's uh, tradition of witchcraft uh, and also working with the spirit world as well so these things tallied very nicely together indeed. Mm-hmm. If you just heard a flappy noise that wasn't me that was the dog. <laughs> That's okay.
2: <laughs> yes, <laughs> That's fine. Now you, you do say that following the first ab- um, uh, availability of the book it became clear that the interest of this um, in contemporary path of, of Cornish traditional witchcraft was larger um, yes. And, and you know, the the, the the response to this, so this is the next question. How was the response to this? Of course, it was, like, probably overwhelming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was very bizarre, yes. Um, when I first decided to write a book, it was really with the intention of just getting it printed and peddling it around locally through, uh, through shops, you know, just to drum up some interest locally because... Mm-hmm. You know there is a pagan community in cornwall but um I, what i found lacking was an interest in um the cornish methods of magic and cornish tradition and folklore and what have you mm-hmm. and um so yeah the idea was to you know put these little booklets around and what have you and see what came of it mm-hmm. and um of course jane had you know, she's a multi-talented person (laughs) she's um you know she decided you know why don't we do it ourselves you know just print and produce the books Mm -hmm. and um put these online and before we knew it we were having orders coming in from (laughs) all over the world and hardly any selling in Cornwall I mean a few have sold in Cornwall but (laughs) But, you know we had you know Jerusalem, Alabama and goodness knows all over the place really (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it
2: was. Now, tell yeah. me one thing. <laughs> now, how is this possible? We're talking about um, a tradition or, or or practices that are very much imbued into the landscape. And we're going to talk about this later. Yes.
1: Um,
2: and w- they're very much into the land. And, and, you know, it's the knowledge of the land. I mean, the, the, the whole mm-hmm. practice is, you know, <laughs> is embedded <laughs> into this landscape geographically. How is it, it possible... Is to do this in Jerusalem or into in Poland or (laughs) you know what I mean or in in Alabama I mean how is it possible
0: well I don't know I mean (laughs) (laughs) people seem to make it work for them perhaps they are attracted to the particular flavour of um, you know the style of witchcraft and they adapt it for their own purposes in their own landscape you know because each landscape obviously has its own lore and magical traditions and perhaps they you know, use that as a, a basis to build on, you know, their own traditions, and what have you.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it is, a, it's a matter of methods. Um, yes, I th- you yes. know, the, the, for instance, the walking in the landscape, you know, mm. and we're going to talk about that a little bit later, um, that can be done anywhere, yes, you know, of course. to search for that you know, that energy, that you know, we call it ley line now, but it's really not but you know. So um okay. and I think that those are the things that people are working are looking for. The 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 template that they can then build on their own landscape, on their own land, feel mm. the land and and try to to extract the memories and you know and the procedures. So that's very Indeed, interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um you say that also this is um something that, you know, it was nothing, you know, Cornish witchcraft tradition was not really nothing set in stone. It was, you know... No, no,
0: this is it. There was was never a set-in-stone tradition of organised Cornish witchcraft. This never existed before. Um, You had magical practitioners, and they perhaps each had their own individual ways. You have established uh, methods of Cornish magic and working charms... Uh, you have traditions associated with some of the ancient sites, um, mm-hmm. for example, the Menantol stones. That's the, the hold stone, and it's mm-hmm. like a giant polo mint in the <laughs> in the ground. And um, that has healing traditions and divinatory traditions. We have holy wells with magical traditions, but yeah, an organised ritual uh, cult of witchcraft. You know that that isn't something that we found in Cornwall at all.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was an individualistic uh, practice. Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm, so um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: What we
0: have in the book here is very ritualistic, but again, it's it doesn't claim to be a historical tradition of Cornish witchcraft. It is um, very much something that's been put together from my own practice, which drew upon magical practices in Cornwall, and um, from other witches I encountered in Cornwall working in the present day. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's it's very much um, a modern tradition of craft,
1: mm-hmm, perhaps mm-hmm.
0: developed amongst a few people that draws upon the past but isn't claiming to be historical in any way.
2: Inspired, right? Inspired, Inspired yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Drawing upon the past but yes. making it workable for today. Yes, definitely.
2: yeah, yeah. Now, um, this book, as well as... Um, Many other things that you do locally uh, are mm-hmm. part of 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 an intent that you have previously you and some other people to awaken mm-hmm. the um, awareness and and a revival of of some of the traditions that were lost in the, you know in, in local traditions of the year of the Cornish seasonal festiv- festivities um, yeah. uh, and, and especially you know in in penworth which is where now what kind of festivities are these and, and is everywhere welcome, everyone is welcome to these.
0: Oh indeed yes, mm. um, the real catalyst behind this is a man called Simon Reed, who wrote um, a book for us called The Traditional Cornish Year and he's been instrumental in reviving a lot of local traditions here in the Penzance area and we have really a seasonal almost a wheel to mm-hmm. use you know, mm-hmm. the, the modern <laughs> pagan <laughs> idea of the wheel of the year but um, yeah, we have Mayhorns in May, which involves people processing through from or not Mausel, um Newlin, into Penzance, mm-hmm. and we basically blow horns and whistles and make a colossal racket <laughs> it
2: <laughs> sounds like fun <laughs>
0: yes scaring away the the last lingering spirits of winter and what mm-hmm. have you mm-hmm. um and an old tradition that um was involved in mayhorns in the past was making whistles out of sycamore
1: mm-hmm. twigs mm-hmm. and what have
0: you mm-hmm. and you had the old may horns the big tin and copper horns so yeah it's Mm. a good excuse to dress up and Absol- <laughs> a racket.
1: Absolutely,
2: <laughs> absolutely. It's great, it's great. So now um, let's, let's move to historical figures. You know, one Mm -hmm. of those that, you know, and you talk about this in in the book a lot. Um, Not a lot, but, you know, you have the introduction and then you have a couple of them. Um, And and you do have some photographs. Now, by the way, uh, photographs of of our beloved Jane are so (laughs) beautiful (laughs) and well done. And they're all black and white, very artistic. Mm -hmm, Um, And, and of course, it wouldn't work if the model was not very good. So, (laughs) you (laughs) (laughs) You are. Um, She's a clever stick. Oh, she she is, is. (laughs) she is. Now, uh, tell us about uh, Granny Boswell.
0: Yes, she was um, one of Helston's most famous witches. Of course, there were many witches and um, cunning folk and uh, wise folk in Cornish tradition. But I suppose Granny Boswell and Tammy Billy are the ones who turn up or are most written about. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, she was of Romani origin, and she married um, a Romani. And um, yeah, she uh, practiced magic for, mainly for young women who wanted to um, ask questions about their future lovers or future husbands, and what have you. She made little charms for people. Grizzly charms, including spiders in bags to hang around your neck, and what have you. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. No cornish stuff.
2: <laughs> no, Tell me one thing. I know that most of these things come out of William uh, Bostrel and all of those historians yes, and chronicle. Yes. You know, people at the time that actually, uh, you know, collected these things. Mm. Now, is it possible to draw from their accounts? Um, Anything, or at least be inspired to apply to Cornish witchcraft today?
0: Oh, yes, I think that's always possible. You know, mm-hmm. if, um, you know, Bottrell and Hunt were collecting in the mid-1850s, in the mid-1800s, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, they collected so many stories and accounts, and, you know, I'm of the opinion that there's always something of use in there that you can draw upon. So mm-hmm, yes, definitely. Mm-hmm, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't like to see these things as just relics of the past to be, you know, looked at and left alone. There's, there's always things of use. Oh know, yes,
2: absolutely. Yeah. 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 Now talking about magic and and all of the practices, um, the needs or the requests from magical from the magical practitioners, so that people would ask them, mm-hmm. still today, are the same that they were yeah i don't know oh, yes. in the past <laughs> do we do we still ask for love, money, health, and you know uh, roof over our heads <laughs> or... oh definitely <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, I used to work um as a magical practitioner for for clients i don't I sadly don't get to do that that much these days because I'm more involved with obviously the books and what have you yes, but um yes, yeah, certainly the um queries that were put to me were for people seeking um, charms to keep their relationship together or to encourage a new lover so yes love always came at the top of all the requests from clients Um, then I think the second one was people who suspected they were cursed or having you know a run of very bad luck and what have you so they wanted that to be you know, exercised or lifted from them. So, yeah, I'd say love and um, seeking the lifting of a curse were the two main ones that always came up over and over again.
2: Now, Mark is very, very... um he's participating in the chat room I'm just seeing (laughs) and he says and he says it it might be interesting to ask Gemma to talk about the differences between the Cornish ways and those in Devon as she is currently writing about Devon witchcraft Mm, that's
0: an (laughs) interesting one
2: (laughs) thank you Mark
0: Yes, well, my current um, Devon Witchcraft book is still very much a pile of very scattered <laughs> and unorganised <laughs> notes, so it will manifest into a book one day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think, no, really, there are a lot of similarities between um, Devon and Cornwall, because they are neighbours after all, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, a flow between the two is, is natural, really. Um, Devon Witchcraft, you find perhaps a lot more um, of the shape-shifting stories of witches mm-hmm. and um toads being used an awful lot more um animal hearts being stuck with pins and hanging mm-hmm. chimneys you mm-hmm.
1: know
0: mm-hmm. um yeah mainly among the farming communities a lot of the old um stories of uh white witches being brought in to counter curses mm-hmm. you revolve around the farming communities mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously because of all the problems they might encounter with cattle dying or being ill and suspecting a witch and what have you um, and there's also accounts of new white witches, you know the white witch of Exeter, and what have you
1: mm-hmm.
0: being um consulted by people so perhaps there are more stories I think from um New Devon than there are from Cornwall mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of the Cornish stories are. Perhaps mm-hmm. more um, in the realm of folklore,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: whereas the, um, a lot of the ones from Devon, I think, are more historical stories of things that actually happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But of course, folklore as well can be, you know, there's no smoke without fire. I think in folklore there are underlining truths that actually went on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But yes, you no, know, writing the, the Devon book is going to be um, an interesting thing. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing the differences myself. So. Oh,
2: yes. <laughs> I mean, and we are too. Yeah. Um, now, money. <laughs> was mm-hmm. always uh something that you you talk about you know um money and exchange of money and all of that um was there anything else that you know witches at the time would accept and still today you know uh in in exchange for for you know a, a curse lifting or something like that
0: uh well yes a lot of um cornish witches seem to have been you know, in it as a profession mm-hmm. and money indeed would change hands. Um, sometimes, you know, historically you, you see quite a lot of um you know, quite a high sum of money which for the people at the time, you know, with their low incomes would have been quite a hefty payment, which is testament to the the belief they had in the abilities of these people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but, you know, certainly which is um might ask for, you know, eggs or milk or supplies in order, you know, to keep curses off the farm or have you kind of a protection racket <laughs> the <laughs> yes.
2: witch mafia of course <laughs> yes <laughs> and there's always there's all well it, it, it's it's, uh, it's the art of cunning isn't it so, I mean in every is, in every yes. single way in every single way now um, curse lifting okay. it's one of the things that really fascinates me um, I really do like a you know as a friend of mine says a bloody good curse and <laughs> and and just because of the architecture of it i really think that curses are so much more interesting and curse lifting so much more interesting than anything else um mm. you know in the spectrum of everything uh, it's still today do we practice this? I mean, are people who come to the practitioners today asking for curse lifting and and, and did the causes of the curse lifting actually change it from ancient times or for, for, from the past to now? I mean, it, was it always envy or was it always, you know, some kind of hatred or uh, wh- what was it that drives it that you found out that was the cause of this?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there's an interesting difference between the um, clients that come for curse lifting today and the ones you read about in the past. Mm-hmm. The past clients tended to want to know who the cursor was, and the witch or peller might perform a divination to show them who the person was <laughs> who had placed a curse on them and yes. then act accordingly.
1: Yes
0: today for some reason people aren't so interested in finding out who the person is they just come to you and say i am cursed this is happening to me i'm experiencing these runs of bad luck can you lift this curse for me mm-hmm. so yeah um that is an interesting difference between the two
2: very interesting so they, mm-hmm. they don't want to know who it is they yeah. just want just to get do- rid of it yeah, yeah just get rid of it yeah yeah <laughs> um uh, and this is, the, well, you know, uh, again, you know, money and all of that. Now, cunning folk, charmers, white witches, conjurers, pellers, mm-hmm. what are the differences here?
0: Well, the um, the folk collectors seem to like to pigeonhole people neatly into little boxes, but yes. I, <laughs> I think, <laughs> reading through the stories, these people really overlapped quite a lot in what they did. You know I mean white witch a white witch is of course a, a misnomer because they were also entirely capable of cursing mm-hmm. um so I think you know other writers in the west country have written of grey witches or double ways witches
2: oh i see mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. um
0: charmers tend to be people who work with healing you know blood stopping mm-hmm. more charming bone setting that kind of thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: um a wise woman or a peller, you know, they might be more all-rounders, providing charms, what have you, divinations, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any real, clear-cut, defined differences
1: between. I think these. it's I de- think
2: de- yeah, defa- de- depending on what they're doing, right? I mean, yes. you know, yeah. a white witch can be doing a an divination, and as well as the peller can be doing, you know, a charm. I mean, it's just not, you know, um, yeah, it's inter- interchangeable, isn't it?
0: Yes, definitely. at some so point. Each yeah. Each have their own particular strengths and mm, skills. Mm, yes.
1: mm.
2: Now you said that we don't really find. I mean, this word "coven," right? Mm. And you know, organized group of people who actually are doing things. And you know, um, you already said that we can't find that. We can't really find that in Cornwall and and or you know in in the in the Cornish witchcraft. now mm. it is very much solitary. Maybe, and you pointed out this in the book that were groups um maybe it was- ve- it was very rare because you know transportation money you know all of those things kept into account, oh, yes. and mm. the ways were not really very you know um, but uh do we have it today
0: indeed, we do
1: yes mm. I, mean, I mean
0: yes, in the past, it would be very difficult with. Yeah people's busy lives, lack of transportation, what have mm. you, Two gather together. Um, it's not to say it didn't happen, we just don't know about it. Mm-hmm, you know, I mm-hmm. don't know, because I wasn't there. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yes. Yeah, certainly, we, today, times have changed. We do have disposable incomes, we have time, we have transport, and you know, practitioners do gather together, definitely. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, let's go a little bit deeper onto this, onto mm-hmm. the book. Let's talk about The Red Serpent. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what what is the red serpent and why is it so important for the for the practitioner?
0: Well, this it is found in Roman beliefs. It's perhaps found worldwide. The idea of the um, telluric fire in the earth, the earth earth spirit, is often depicted as a serpent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and. Um, this ties in with um, you know, the fallen fire from the heavens, the old ones depicted as of the serpent blood and um, you know the, the forefathers of witch blood and what have you. And so the serpent in witchcraft, in particularly um, modern Cornish witchcraft, amongst the practitioners I've worked with and in my own work, the serpent is the that force, the animating life force within the land mm-hmm. that um, empowers life, but also can be drawn upon to empower magic and what have you. So mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yes, it
0: is that, that fire in the land mm. and in ourselves, definitely.
2: What happens to the serpent at the new moon?
0: Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> well, all things have their you know their tides, their ebbs and flows. The the moon the seas you know mm-hmm, its, its mm-hmm. tidal cycles and the earth responds accordingly you know you have mm-hmm. you know the, the serpent at the the growing and the full moon can be a generative force and the waning and dark of the moon it can be a consumptive force and mm-hmm. of course something that consumes can be a dangerous thing to work with you know if you're not that guarded mm-hmm. you, know, you don't want to be consumed yourself or drained by it so.
1: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. Very interesting. It's all
0: those cycles, ebbs and flows.
2: Now, another thing that you talk about is the mystery of becoming. Mm-hmm. Right. What is this, the mystery of becoming?
0: Oh gosh, that's a difficult one to explain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as as you say in the book, it's very difficult to actually write it this. <laughs>
0: yes, it's something. You know, think obviously, as you know, there's many things you can feel and understand innately in yourself, but to yes. put them into words is another it's thing. It's very difficult. But um, yeah, yeah. I suppose to you know, really simplify it, um, the act of becoming is realizing your connection to all around you, you know, the earth below, the sky above, the winds of spirit, the fires of the heavens, the fires in the land, the telluric fire, the ancestral voices in the waters of the earth you know these are all things that you draw upon and um, it creates a wholeness and you're a magical sense of connection to all and there's the old um, cunning idea that all is one Mm -hmm. all is connected and that's a very good um, starting point for magic because if you're realising your connection to all then you can work with your target, the target of your magic, because you're connected to it. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's um, a whole lot of... Um, I mean, this book is so rich that I can't... <laughs> <laughs> we can't just kind of go through it all, but there is a whole lot of things. I'm going to just go um, and, and kind of like glance through. I mean, there's the Witch's Compass, which is, w- we're going to talk a little bit about that if we, you know, and the Booker also, because it's on one of the things that you actually, you contributed to several works for this, um, mm-hmm. or with this. Um, the Trade, which is another thing, the Trade is basically where you actually put all of the things, the charms, the workings of protection, the workings. Of of healing and all of that, all all of the operative magic, Mm. but there is one, and I'm particularly interested in this, because it's actually uh, where the name Troy books come from, it's the Troy stone, and how does one use a Troy stone and why?
0: Well, you have um, on the Troy stone, which is basically... Um, a flat slab of stone, usually slate, because it's very easy to carve into and not that heavy to use, and you have a, a unicircular labyrinth. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a labyrinth you can get lost in, you know, there's not twists and turns that take you in different ways. It's one way in to the center and one way out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, really, it's um, it's a meditative tool, it's a trance inducing tool, and a magical tool. You're working in, you're descending into the labyrinth, round and round to the centre. As you go, you're turning clockwise and then anti-clockwise. So it's, you're creating that balance and then you arrive at the centre. And then, of course, you work your way out again, clockwise, anticlockwise and out of the labyrinth. So it's, um, it can be a work of creation. You go into the labyrinth, you get rid of something, you leave it there. As you're working your way out of the labyrinth, that could be a generative work, and you come out of the labyrinth with that which you desire, a new, you know, a new magical goal, as it were.
2: It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful tool, isn't it? Yes, Full
1: of mainly,
0: a mainly a meditative tool. It's yeah. very, very useful for inducing yeah. light trance states, yes. um, particularly in before divination work. I use it a lot for
1: that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Now um, we have to jump. Gemma. <laughs> <good>. can't, we <laughs> can't <laughs> really. <laughs> Who is Booker or Buki
0: Ah, the Buka. Yeah, is, the Booker.
2: Um, or Booker. Booker. I said Buka, did I? Booker. You yeah, Booker. You can yeah. say
0: Booker if you want. <laughs> 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 okay, Go ahead. Uh, it's um, a very mysterious deity that, well, for me, it's a deity in um, Cornish lore it seems to have been degraded towards um, a goblin status or a naughty spirit, Mm -hmm. whereas um, there are ideas that before it was actually some form of deity that has been degraded because it's, you find parallels with Booker and Puck and Mm -hmm. Boo Mm -hmm. in different cultures and these quite often relate to a goat form deity or a goat spirit and um, you know, the bucket for, and this is something I encountered when I first became interested in Cornish folklore and researching it, and the bucket came up and for some reason grabbed my attention and became a focus for my work, but also when I first became involved with um, covens and other witches um, operating in West Cornwall, the bucket kept coming up again and again. It seemed to be a focus not only for my work, but for their work as well, so...
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm
0: know it seems to be a deity that personifies that that rift or split in the veil between the worlds um a personification of mystery and of magic
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: associated with um the sea and with storms that come in from the sea across the land and it is also a chthonic spirit as well because farmers would leave um mouthfuls of ale as offering to the bucker in the land
2: so I would I would never say it booker again. <laughs> After <laughs> I heard that. Now this is a question for you. Gwither mm-hmm. Gwither or do? Ooh, or do Why not all? <laughs> 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 now we have to define this. <laughs> oh yes.
0: Well, you, have, you know how is um for those that work with Bukka today it seems to be very much um the idea that bucka is a dualistic Spirit, because you have Baka Du who is the black Baka, um, more associated with storms and perhaps the the folkloric devil, as you know, as distinct from the church devil, it's a very different thing, and um, the chaotic forces of nature, and you have Buckaguiden, the the white Bucker, the um, benevolent Bucker, if you like.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So.
0: It's, you know, there are two sides of the one thing, the light and the dark. So in Bukka, you have a deity of balance Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: and of union. And, you know, perhaps for me, the light betwixt the horns is a very good symbol of the, the union of that balance. The two horns representing the two, the light and the dark. And then that mystic fire in between, which is the union of the two. So. Mystic, Gosh, yes. mystic, very drip. deep, mystic yes. <laughs> things to meditate
1: on. <laughs> yes, <earth. laughs>
2: this is you know we, we just it, it we have we still have time to talk about all of this. Now let's jump again to tools. I'm so sorry to the listeners because you know we could hear, we could be here like three hours, and of course you know <laughs> poor Gemma would just be you know uh, talking forever. Now tools, um, beyond the natural tools of wisdom force of mm-hmm. the serpent that we know that you know, and the waters and the wind and all that. What other tools are, are there to help us in the con- in the cunning and the cunning arts?
0: Oh, of the the physical tools of course we covered mm. the, the Troy stone, the, the labyrinth stone. Yes. Um there are staffs or sticks that are used. Again a lot of um the physical tools that are used um, in the book are very much inspired by a lot of the things in Cecil Williamson's collection in the Museum of Witchcraft
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: because um, he he put together this amazing collection of items that drew upon the work of West Country wise women and cunning folk and witches and these again are all things I was fascinated in, you go into the museum and Mm -hmm. these are all things that you just don't see anywhere else, you don't read about them anywhere else they were very unique mm-hmm. items that I thought, wow, you know, let's try some of these things and you know, put them into use. And you have things like the the talking stick, where Cecil um, advises burying one end of the stick into mm-hmm. the ground, and mm-hmm. you have the forks of the stick. You know, so it's very much like the the stang of modern traditional witchcraft,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but the two forks press against your eyes, and you feel for the pulse, the energy pulse of the land. And the spirit voices of the land and what have you. So it's you know a communal tool for communing with the, the land and the, the spirits of the land. Um, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. do find knives and things as you find in other aspects of craft, although um, these knives tend to be sharp rather than blunt knives that you find in other craft traditions. You know, which to me makes sense because the nature yes. of the tool it's yeah. a cutting tool. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: You know, having yeah. a blunt knife is like having a chalice with a hole in it it won't hold anything a blunt knife won't cut anything um but yes certainly there are a wealth of tools there to be found in the book and again yeah these a lot of these are inspired by the collections of Cecil Williamson Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. now um what is the role of the Peller staff within the circle because we talked about you know a whole lot of uh, of tools um but there is the peller staff um mm-hmm. is often you know uh, commented and and it comes over and over again um what is the role of the peller staff
0: well again you find this in a lot of the old stories of cornish witches of them using staffs to conjure spirits force so it's a, a conjuring tool. It's mm-hmm. it's a big wand, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's also very much akin to the stang. It can represent the horned one, the altar, the the rend, the portal between this world and the next.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And of course, you can have different staffs. You can have the ash staff, which is very good for working with the world beyond. The spirits, you have hazel staffs, very good for divination. And, of course, the dreaded blackthorn staff for dealing with naughty people. <laughs> <Being> a bit <laughs> of blasting. So, yeah, the um, the Pella staff, or the Cornish Witch's staff, today is, is very different to the, the stang that perhaps you might find in... Um, say, the Cochrane tradition of witchcraft, where it is simply the altar, that, well, not simply the altar, it's, you know, mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. a profound, profound mm-hmm, item, mm-hmm. but this it, it is also a hand tool, a working tool.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, w- we talked about um, the tools. Now, there is the witch's compass, which is basically, uh, the compass is basically the circle of that hollow, you know, um, space that is mm-hmm. created by um, by the pillars. Now, um they do. Does the compass work always the same way? I mean, does the pillar work the compass always the same way? Because you know, uh, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the reference that we have is Wicca, of course, and and uh, yeah. you know, you know that you know that everything is always the same, and you do exactly the same way. You do it clockwise, etc., etc. Is it possible? Uh, to do it any other way, in in the uh, the uh, in this, I mean, it how how does the Pella does it in and works it?
1: Um, I
0: can only speak for my own practice there mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, those I work with, and um, certainly we do work clockwise when we need to for generative uh, rituals, um, seasonal rituals for the the growing half of the year. Mm-hmm. These are very much. Um, clockwise or with the sun rituals um, rituals that are with the the waning moon and the dark of the moon and the waning tide of the year we do work against the sun or anti-clockwise in our conjuration of the circle so yes no both ways are entirely possible <laughs> <know>.
2: <laughs> so much more diverse now the, the <laughs> what is That's the w- to be different <laughs> sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah, what is the walking the round
1: Oh,
0: the walking of the round is um pretty much like the new treading the mill again that you find in um Cochranian influenced craft um sabbatic craft and what have you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's um something again that i I encountered with my friends in East Anglia who wrote to me about um Alec- alexander craft mm-hmm. um, I actually know how Alexanders did do it. there's lots of um footage of. the sanders coven they are circling around the fire Mm -hmm. and um you know this is something i encountered when i first became involved with the traditional coven in cornwall and it's it's a meditative technique it's um a technique of conjuration of invocation and in my coven rites we always first circle against the sun or anti-clockwise, which is a gathering in, it's a gathering in of the the virtues of the spirits, of the quarters and of the deity that we're working with Um, it could be quite a long, grueling process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where you're intensely focusing upon the deity or the spirit or the Mm -hmm. virtue that you're Mm -hmm. calling upon for that particular working Mm -hmm. and that doesn't stop until either somebody collapses or There's phenomena which indicates that that presence is there. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you have um, other rounds or mills which are with the sun, and these are more energetic, and these are for raising those powers that have been called in, those influences and virtues. So, yeah, you have an Mm anti-clockwise gathering in, a stirring in, and then a clockwise raising and intensifying and then sending it out Mm -hmm. to... Do its work.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Now, um, one of the things that really impressed me um, on the book is that you do talk about the 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 role of the elderly or the infirm, mm-hmm. which is something that normally it's really not <laughs> talked about. You know, you don't really care, um, <clears throat> but you do, and and you do say, you know, they do have um, a, a role in in this this compass in this in the ritual itself and in you know what do they do the elderly and the infirm
0: well there's always the option um
2: they're not set aside th- right they're not set aside no, not,
0: yes go and sit in the corner and be quiet <laughs> then, it? no it's <laughs> you know there's um always the option for those who don't feel they are up to the, the walking of the round to sit at the edge of the circle and to drum because you know you can keep up the pace of the circle by drumming, drumming is in itself is a repetitive meditative act, so mm-hmm. you can get out of mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. the
1: mm-hmm. same
0: things you would get out of actually participating in the round so um you know there's that there's also the use of the the ball roarer or wind roarer, which yes. again you know is another repetitive task a turning mm-hmm. a spinning, so you know these are very much things that people can do. Who perhaps don't have the stamina to to walk around and around and around and
1: mm-hmm. around <laughs> these
0: intensive circuits, but
1: yeah, can still yeah.
0: participate in you know in the task.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let's talk about the trade. Um, mm-hmm. Treefoot law. It's one of the things that we know um, over and over again was hammered to our. Heads oh, either yes. in the neo pagan community or the pagan community, or you know, anything that you can see, wicker, whatever you you know, what have you. It mm. they always talk about the treefold law, and they always talk about this uh, you know, thing that you can is there a threefold law in the pillars' uh, craft or not? Well,
0: um, historically, the and white witches again that old misnomer white witches <laughs> you know they they were very capable of blessing and cursing and they did it you know Cecil Williamson a modern day cunning man he was not adverse to you know doing some cursing if he felt somebody was needing it Um. so no you, you really don't find that within historical Cornish craft and from my experience, you know, modern day practitioners who have that, you know, that leaning towards that style of craft. You know, they, they're not adverse to cursing when it's needed, but it's very much, you know, a last resort kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I suppose there is something akin to the threefold law because, you know, to be engaged in such work isn't you know, it's not a pleasant way to spend your time or your energies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a draining thing. So I believe if you are engaging in that work, there is a hefty cost to it.
1: Absolutely,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, uh, the rights of exorcism, um, you talk about this also, and you have a right of exorcism to get rid of spirits from the place. Now, I didn't, I mm-hmm. really quite didn't have the idea that this was something that uh, was done, but you know, you, you just, you do say, well, yes, there is a right of exorcism to get rid of spirits. Now, how, uh, wha- wha- how does this process happen? I mean, uh, you know, each person has, or each pillar has, or each practitioner has their own way of doing the rite of exorcism, or is it's pretty much, you know, they know cer- s- certain things that have to be followed, and, and you know, um, for instance, mm-hmm. where to send the spirits, you know, or something like that. So is there a commonality of, uh, about it, or, or is pretty much individualistic?
0: I suppose at its core, cool. there's, um, you know, the, the common mm. goal of the, the working, but yes, I suppose, um, different practitioners certainly have their own approach. Mm-hmm. Um, the approach I wrote about was very much inspired by, um, a Devonian, current day cunning man, Jack Doll. he wrote a, a very good, um, rite of exorcism using the poppit. so my, my ritual was very much inspired by his work. Um... Again, I would say it's very much a last resort practice. I'm much more for the idea of um, working with spirit houses. If there's a troublesome spirit in a house, it's very possible to create a spirit house, mm-hmm. you know, a space just for that spirit. And um, if you do that, a troublesome spirit can become a spiritual asset. In the ho- If you provide them with a space that they're happy with, you know, their troublesome behaviour could... Cease and you know, they've got the space they're happy with Mm -hmm. that keeps them happy and entertained. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, exorcism, I think, should be a very, very, you know, completely last resort thing for something absolutely drastic and horrible. But Mm -hmm. in most cases, you know, we live alongside the spirit world, we live in you know, homes sometimes where there are spirit presences, and you know, they're part of the home. No, yeah you shouldn't always be gotten rid of automatically
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well th- but this is the this is the instinct of people. they always sort of like bleach everything you know <laughs> it's just like yeah. get rid of every you know <laughs> just don't care about the spirits so or what yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, how does one call down the moon i mean this no- na- this name is pretty much resonant with um uh, modern day Wiccans and you know and it sounds like something familiar, right? Um, how does one call down the moon in, the, in Cornish witch magic, witchcraft?
0: In uh, my practice, it's um, a combination of Cecil Williamson. Again, Cecil had a very good ritual he wrote about where you use a reflection of the moon in the sea and sitting on the top of a cliff at the full moon, looking out at the sea... The moon creates a beautiful path of silver light towards you, and um, he would look up to the moon. Or those who practice as which would look up to the moon, down to the sea, up to the moon, down to the sea, and eventually, the the orb of the moon would be seen to travel down and along this path and up to the person, and this could be for spirit communication or an act mm-hmm. of divination. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you also find um, acts of drawing down the moon in other um modern traditional witchcraft streams where mirrors are used to reflect the uh the moon into the wine that's being drunk in the ritual or into um a vessel of water again for divinatory purposes and in the case of the wine to partake of of the spirit of the moon and the the forces of the moon
1: mm-hmm.
2: Mm. no this is this is a very interesting i mean i can 't you know I have so many questions you don 't know i mean this book is <laughs> <laughs> you go into i mean we we couldn 't we can 't we have ten minutes though but um but we 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 can't oh, yes <laughs> i know um you know about the you know the festivals and all of that so let let 's talk a little bit about the festivals and just um but before we go there and and I know that you have um a chapter here which is very very beautiful it's called initiations um anyone that that it's anyone right um today they think that they have and because of the previous you know the previous history of the modern witchcraft movement um they always think that they have to be initiated um and mm-hmm. if they want to be part of something uh, or to be acknowledged as someone in that particular, you know is this important?
0: Well it can certainly be very valuable to be, you know, acknowledged and initiated within a group or a tradition um, I don't think it's the, the initiator who bestows the initiation, it's the, the spirits, the egregore of the group the deity that's involved Um but again, this is something that can be done on a solitary basis. You know, a lot of the traditional um, historical rites of initiation seem to have been solitary. You, know, you have the uh, old churchyard rituals involving toads and what have you. That mm-hmm. um, you know, these were solitary rites. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Pacts with the old one and what have you. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think initiation. It is an acknowledgement of your entering into a working relationship with the spirit world a walking away from the you know the normal mundane way of living onto a path of return a path back to the wild Mm
1: -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to you
0: know the other the otherness, the Mm -hmm. strangeness Mm -hmm. the path of power and what have you so Mm -hmm. initiation is really you know it's the initial steps the decision to cross that threshold Mm -hmm. and that can be done alone it could be done with a group
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Now, yes. um, from the traditional festivals, what which one is your favourite?
0: Oh, I love Montol.
2: <laughs> 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 can you tell us a little bit shortly? But can you tell us a little bit about it and why do you like it?
0: Again, this is another um, Penzance tradition that was revived by Simon Reed, and it has become this wonderful festival where the people, the community, just throw themselves into creating the most wonderful costumes um geasing is the core tradition of Montol, where people disguise themselves with masks and tatters which you know, strips of torn fabric all over their clothing and it's it's just an astonishing visual cacophony of wonderful sights and sounds because there's music musicians parading through the streets um, strange masked beasts, osses, giant green men. There's a we have a giant crow called Old Ned, <laughs> and um, yeah, I've been leaping around last monthall in a, an oss with a mare skull. <laughs> <that's> the <case. laughs> and then there's um, at the end. There's a fire, and somebody selected to do what's called chalking the mark, where a chalk figure is um, inscribed on a, a piece of ash wood. And that's thrown into the fire to encourage the sun to return, what have you, so that we have a, you know, a good waxing year to come.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, uh, Gemma Gary, the author of Traditional Witchcraft, a Cornish Book of Ways. Um, The Montel ritual is actually here. (laughs) Just yep. in case that you were, wor- you know, <laughs> worrying that only you know the words of Gemma. No, no, it's it's right here. It's it, there's an explanation of it, and then an introduction, and then there is a mental ritual. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So it's it's you know you can get it in the book. Um, for those of you who do not know uh, where to get it or where to go to get this. Um, this particular book you can go to uh, troybooks.co.uk now um, Gemma new works new books coming out we talked a little bit about it I mean you know you have one that it's the Wished Waters which is very good Aquis Magica and the Cult of the Holy Wells Mm -hmm. and that's a very good one also it's three hands press Um, Charmisalmer. Salmer uh it's another one um which is very yes. very good, and this is like um a compilation of a, a, a couple of things that you know that you got you know not all 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 psalms but you know other things. the black yeah. toad yeah. which we will west country which craftman and Magic were coming again with you talking about this (laughs) book so stay (laughs) tuned and then um, you did a whole lot of um, numerous contributions on on many many books you know um, one of them is Hands of a um, and and it's edited by Michael Howard and Daniel uh, Schock so um, now if you want to get this book from um, Gemma Gary, uh, the best bet to, for you I mean you can go anywhere. Um Gemma, your your website is jammagary.co so it's it's .co.co. Yes. co dot co you say dot co. <laughs> w Co. UK. Um, and if you want to buy the book you can buy it from there but you can also buy it from Troy Books directly and that's troybooks.co.uk now mm-hmm. um, we have to tell this to people do you really want to be on top of everything that's coming out on Troy Books you have to follow them on Twitter, and this is the Twitter. It's at Troy Books. Very very simple, at Troy Books, and then you're all set for for the latest news. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, yeah. well up to date. Yes. yes. <laughs> so um, thank you so so much for being on thank the you. on the on the black chair. Um, you know, oh, yes. I'm I'm just I don't know if it is a black chair that you're sitting on, but it uh, is indeed a black chair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And Steve uh, was
0: sat in the same chair. He thought yes. it was grey, but it's actually dusty. It, it's it's black underneath. <laughs> <laughs>
2: see <laughs> It was a pleasure to have you on the black chair. It's been
0: a pleasure. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. And we'll have you again on other um titles that you, you've written and, and you're authored also. Um oh, to yes, talk a little a bit more to talk a little bit more about Cornish witchcraft and magic. And all of these passions that we share. Um, thank you so much for everyone in the chat room for being here. Wonderful um, audience we had—35 people listening to this <laughs> huh? <Girl>. live, live. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Um, we will be uh, certainly back uh, on uh, another one with uh, Gemma uh, again, talking more about magic. Gemma, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.